Good morning, everyone. I greet you in Jesus' name. And invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, and I'd like to begin reading at verse 35. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. What I want, us, what I want us to notice especially here is that we are called to uh, be merciful and forgiving people. These are characteristics of the Heavenly Father. And we are called to, to show that, to demonstrate that uh, in our lives. And notice that he says, forgive and ye shall be forgiven. Uh, conversely, the thought would be, if we do not forgive, we are not forgiven. Now any sin, any sin is a hindrance. But the scripture especially emphasizes that a lack of forgiveness blocks access to the grace of God, to the forgiveness of God. And if you were listening, I hope we were all praying together as Joe was leading us in prayer and he prayed the Lord's prayer. And we pray there, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us the way we forgive others. And when Jesus was teaching this prayer to his disciples uh, in, the, in the gospel in Matthew 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, immediately after the prayer, his first teaching was this. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Forgive and be forgiven. Don't forgive and you are not forgiven. That's a sobering teaching, a sobering truth. And, and we should think about that seriously. And why does God consider forgiveness, hold forgiveness so important? Why is he so concerned? that his children forgive and be forgiving. 
There, the scripture that we read, love your enemies and do good. And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Several thoughts on why God would hold this so important. Our Father, which art in heaven, is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. He is kind to, to mankind. And we represent him here. And mercy is the is the attribute upon which salvation depends. Without God's forgiveness, we are lost. There is no no hope for us. So God calls his children to show, to model the kind of mercy that he shows to love their enemies, to be kind to unthankful and evil people, to forgive as the Father so the children. So if we are disciples and following Jesus and becoming like him, mercy and forgiveness is one thing we need to learn and will want to show in dealing with others. It is through God's mercy and forgiveness that there is salvation for man. And when we show that godly characteristic uh, to one another, uh, but to lost people especially, we glorify God and we show people something that is godly, that draws men to God. I want to talk about forgiveness this morning. But before we talk about forgiveness, there I'd like to think about offenses. If there is to be forgiveness, there's always an offense, something that that troubles us, that somebody has done to us. So what is an offense? Well, one definition would be an injury inflicted upon someone by another person. It may be a physical injury, bodily harm and suffering, or it may be emotional. There may be anxiety and anguish that comes with with whatever happened. There are lawsuits for millions of dollars for mental anguish. It may be directly against us and we're offended, or it may be indirectly, as suffered by someone close to us, to whom we feel loyalty, and we care about that person, and they are wronged, and we are offended that somebody did that. A parent may be offended when uh, their child is bullied. We can feel offended by someone's carelessness. They just left a mess. Or a car window was left 
open and it rained. Or we can be offended by rudeness, just somebody slighting us, ignoring us, walking past without a greeting and uh, made to feel that you don't count and just being disregarded. Uh, that can be painful. Being taken advantage of, feeling taken advantage of and used. You were asked to do something to lighten someone else's load and then it wasn't even appreciated or recognized. Or it can be something more unkind. Sharp words, barbed comments, insults, or gossip that finds its way around and eventually comes back to us. That can be pretty painful. Broken promises from something on the level, I'll take you fishing this evening, then not doing it, or breaking uh, financial obligations, not paying when we said we would, or more grievously, something as, as uh, serious as breaking marriage vows, a betrayal, a great offense, robbery, property taken, losing peace of mind, a life taken uh, by a drunken driver or uh, in uh, some crime committed and a life taken. You remember when Carl Heatwell was here, he spoke about his, the death of his 19-year-old son Gideon in an airplane crash. And the reason that plane crashed is because an inspector who had inspected the plane was careless or just overlooked the safety bolts, some safety bolts in the linkage with the cables that controlled the the uh, ailerons and the airplane controls. That was a great grief when their son died and um, they wrote a letter. A letter was written of forgiveness for that inspector. Some offenses are more painful than others. But all, all injuries are personal and they're invasive to our rights to comfort and respect. It may be only a, an inconvenience that frustrates us and annoys us for a little while. Or it may be a catastrophic upheaval that just a life-changing event that brings indescribable anguish. Some examples of offenses. Then there is the response, how people respond, how we respond when we are injured in these ways. And we are creatures of emotion and we respond emotionally about two things. And the natural response to an offense is annoyance, anger, 
rage. I have been trampled on. You took something from me. You owe me. That wasn't right. And in many cases, there are, there's a follow-up response, uh, thoughts of vengeance and of getting even. I'll make you pay. Or I'll take something from you. Or I'll make you hurt. And if that's not possible, just wish that it would happen. And just let it fester and a bitterness develop and grow. And hatred, a poison in the heart. I've read news accounts of um, testimonies of murder victims' families at the sentencing of a murderer. And I remember one within the last year or so in the Northeast somewhere, a family member shouting at the murderer and, and wishing him to rot in hell forever. Just bitter hatred. And we can understand how we, we read about those things. We can understand how people would get there. But offenses happen. They happen in the world. They happen in our homes. They happen in churches. And uh, the, the natural reaction is carnal. And even Christians struggle with those kind of responses, but we're called to something higher, to a godly response. And we already noticed that we're the children of the highest. We're the children of the Heavenly Father. And He called us to something different. In Ephesians 4, in verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love. That goes on into the... Uh, fifth chapter of Ephesians. <clears throat> A great contrast with the uh, response of sinners. Forgiveness goes against our sense of fairness and justice. And part of that, part of that is God-given. Uh, in our conscience, we have a sense of fairness and justice. But the fall affects our affects our judgment and clouds uh, how we respond and often our our judgment uh, in responding to offenses is quite subjective and it can be self-centered and not come out uh, where God would have us come out or even be fair may not even be fair 
So God calls us to respond in a way that is different from the flesh, to not follow those urgings, and to uh, commit ourselves to that as part of the cross life. It demands surrender of our self. It uh, demands commitment to God who says, be holy like I am holy. And He wants us to forgive. And forgiveness is letting go the right, the claim to justice for an offense. It is releasing a debtor, the offender, from a debt owed. It is consciously uh, erasing it from the record. I will not hold this against him. That is a characteristic of God and of God's true children. And true forgiveness takes the grace of God. It takes the grace of God. It takes the Spirit of God and the work of God within us. I want to uh, look at some steps to forgiveness. And I think when we, as things happen and we, uh, as we uh, respond to an offense that comes, we, we don't think about, you know, step A, step B, step C. But I believe if we come to a place of forgiveness, there are some things that happen along the way. And uh, maybe reviewing them when everything is fine uh, is a good, a good time to look at them. And if something is bothering you today, uh, it's good to think about these things as you process an offense. And, and the first, the first uh, step is acknowledging that there's been a, an offense. Acknowledging that something happened. There's an offense and there is a response. And acknowledging that to myself, acknowledging that to God, that something happened, something hurt me. And, and I feel hurt about this. Maybe I'm mad about this. Sometimes it's some major disruption and there's no question in your mind at all what, what happened. Sometimes I have found that, uh, and these are not major things, but sometimes something's kind of nagging at you and you don't really have peace and you um, are a little edgy and you think about what? What's going on? Oh yes, something happened and that's bothering me. Something irritating there, but we need to face it. Don't just try to let it go and forget it. Some feel that if it fades from their memory that they have dealt with it. But forgetting isn't the same thing as forgiving, and God wants us to forgive. What can happen if we've only forgotten and it's faded and kind of gone off the radar? What can happen is when that offender comes 
into our presence or to our attention next time, that there will be something there. Something kind of rises up in us. When we think about them, we're not thinking peaceful about them. Maybe there's even an ill feeling toward them. And that may be an indication that something isn't really taken care of there in my heart toward that person. <clears throat> Somebody came to me one time uh, complaining about offenses. Many offenses by many people against him. And he said, but I am a man and I can put them aside and I can go on and I can forget it. Well, it was clear he had not forgotten them. This was a list that went way back. And if, these, if things are pushed aside, untended, there's not really been forgiveness. An offense can fester and fester and become bitterness. And that poisons us. It blinds us to our own faults and shortcomings. And it affects other people. The Hebrew writer said that we're to look diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and many be defiled. So we must acknowledge to ourselves and to God that something happened. I have hard feelings. I'm struggling with something here. Some ill will against this brother, this sister, that person. That's step one, to acknowledge that something happened in our response. Then a second is to consider. Let's think about this thing. In Isaiah, he says, come now, let us reason together. And he wasn't talking about forgiveness, the Lord, when he said those things. But there are things that God would have us consider to back up and be objective about what has happened here and uh, in regard to forgiveness. Well, one thing we can think about is the uh, offense itself. Is it, am I reading it fairly? Is this really an offense? Should it be an offense? Now, if a family member is murdered, um, that's pretty obvious. But sometimes, many times actually, offenses are misread. Offenses are assumed or even imagined. They're born from suspicion, uh, from a lack of love, just uh, feeling critical towards someone to start with. It may be an accumulation of wrong responses to earlier offenses that weren't tended to, and that can kind of become an attitude toward somebody. And that brings with it a, an increased sensitivity. In Luke 6, 
Jesus said, judge not and ye shall not be judged. And he was speaking of being critical and of being quick to determine somebody was guilty of something and to decide what their motive was. And he says there, if we judge unmercifully and critically and unlovingly, we'll be judged by God that way. But following Christ and becoming more like Jesus makes us less easily offended. Many, many hurts are the result of selfishness. Selfish people can become very sensitive and they can pick up the slightest offense. When we look in the charity chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, where it talks about offenses, wrongs and offenses, uh, in verse 4, it says that charity suffereth long. People who love, truly love others are patient. They don't lose their patience quickly. They're not easily provoked. Actually, I think the easily isn't in the original. They're not quick to take offense. They think no evil. They don't keep a record of wrongs. They uh, are ready to believe the best about others. And they overlook the faults of others when they truly love. Now, there are very grievous offenses that make even a mature, the most mature disciple of Jesus struggle with his humanity. But there are also many trivial offenses. The offender may, not be, may be innocent, not even aware that he has offended somebody, that someone has offended at him. They're the kind of offenses that a judge would throw out in disgust. They're childish. So think about the offense. Maybe we misread it. Maybe we allowed this to get blown out of proportion. We may not be seeing it right. So we may need to stop there and confess and ask God's forgiveness for selfishness and for being too quickly critical of somebody, too quickly offended. And that'll take care of it right there. A second thing to think about is our debt to God. And comparing our debt to God with the offender's debt to me. God wants us to think about that. Jesus wanted people to think about that. He told a story in Matthew 18 about a servant that owed millions of dollars, maybe 10 million maybe. And he was brought before a king and the servant pled for mercy from the king and the king pitied him and the king forgave him. And you remember how the servant went out and he grabbed a fellow servant who owed him maybe $20 and he grabbed him by the throat and said, you pay me or else. And he couldn't pay him. And he didn't forgive. He put him in jail. The other servants that saw this were upset and they reported to the king what happened. And the king was angry. And he rescinded his, uh, 
his forgiveness and he delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you. If ye from your from your give not everyone his brother their trespass. And both of them were get forgiven by the creditor. And Jesus asked Simon, who loved the most? And Simon answered, well, probably the one for whom most was forgiven. And Jesus agreed. The weeping woman realized her debt and she loved much. Simon did not realize his debt. When we recognize what really know what being lost is and how unworthy we are and what mercy it is of God to forgive us. And when we find ourselves weeping at Jesus' feet for gratitude and worshiping him, and when we can say from the depths of our heart, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift, then the offenses of other people grow less. They're not so, they don't trouble us in the same way. And they begin to take their proper perspective and seem small and unimportant. Of Simon and the sinful woman, the two of them, if they were both offended, which do you think would struggle the most to forgive? Probably Simon. When we think about that, we may need to confess and ask God's forgiveness for taking too lightly His great forgiveness to us and magnifying the wrong against ourselves and making so big a deal of it. A third thing to think about is the sovereignty of God. Is God in control? Is God in control? In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. God allows the circumstances that come into our lives. And one beautiful example of somebody who was terribly wrong and considered the sovereignty of God as he processed this wrong against him was Joseph. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery and after their father Jacob's death, you remember, we know all the story, but remember that after Jacob died, the brothers were uneasy and were fearful that now payback time would come and Joseph would deal with them and get revenge. But Joseph said to them in Genesis 50, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? You thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now we often think of Joseph as a model of integrity in dealing with moral 
uh, temptation. But he was also a model example of forgiveness. And one thing that he did was acknowledge that God is sovereign, that God allowed this. God has a higher purpose. God can bring good from evil circumstances. He can use them to chasten us. He can use them to uh, bring an increased dependence on Him. He can use them to develop character in us. Uh, Christ-like character and responses are developed in the difficulties, in the fires of adversity. But sovereign God is in control and He has a purpose in what He allows. So my heated objections and my heated offense may be toward God. So I may need to stop here and confess and ask forgiveness for blaming God or forgetting that God is in control and that He has a purpose for what is allowed in my life. So that is a second step that we should think and spend some time considering the offense. Is it real? Is it that serious? Consider my debt to God and what He forgave me. Consider God's sovereignty. And maybe there we need to confess and ask God's forgiveness. Then a third step would be forgiveness. We have to get there sometime, don't we? We have to forgive. And that is a conscious decision to forgive by the grace of God. I will forgive. I will crucify my carnal responses. I will lay down my rights to justice. I will forgive the offender. I will release him of this debt. I'll no longer consider that he owes me. I'll wipe the slate clean as far as this matter is concerned between him and me. I will follow Christ, not my natural inclinations. I will give it to God. I will do like Jesus did. Jesus, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but he committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. He left his case in the hands of God. And we could look at other scriptures. But we are saying, we're done. I'll forget it. You know, if you've ever forgiven someone of a grievous hurt, you probably remember it came back. It often comes back and stings again. But when it does, just reconfirm your decision. Pray for grace. Maybe go through that process again. And what you find if you commit yourself to following Jesus' way with forgiveness is that 
the recurrences come farther and farther apart and they become less intense. And that's a work of God and in your heart, in your life. But forgiveness is part of the cross life. It is dealing with self. It is part of living by faith. Jesus said, do this. Jesus said, be this way. Believe and trust and obey. Forgive. There is another step, and that is ministering to the offender. And we can think, boy, I did enough already. But let's see what Jesus said. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. And in Romans 12, verse 20, Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Three ways that we're called to minister to an offender. and One is to love the offender. Love your enemies, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. So if we love them, we want what is best for them. We want mercy for them, not justice. We'll guard their reputation. <clears throat> love the offender. Pray for the offender. Pray for them that despitefully use you, Jesus said. Pray for his salvation if he's lost. Pray for blessing on his life. Pray for his spiritual growth and success. Don't pray selfishly, Lord, please straighten this rascal out so my life can be more comfortable. And what, hap what happens when we sincerely pray for someone who has offended us and we have forgiven them and we sincerely pray for them, our own souls are being ministered to and our own souls are being strengthened and our own souls are being filled with the love of God for that person. And it strengthens that, that uh, forgiveness, that attitude of forgiveness toward them. And then third, to do good to the offender. Do good to them that hate you. Supplying needs might be one way. Serve where there is opportunity. For in so doing, it said in Romans, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Now that's not a satisfaction that, you know, watching his hair get singed, but it's a redemptive discomfort. A pricked conscience. Now situations vary a lot. And any involvement may be inappropriate or not practical or not even be an option. There are people that struggle with 
uh, forgiving somebody who already died. But we can certainly wish and pray for a living offender, wish well for him and hope for the best. We haven't really, we haven't truly forgiven an offender till we can bless him and pray for him and pray mercy for him. God would have the way of forgiveness be a part of our life, a way of life for us, for his children. And just to quickly recap what we went over here, we touched on several steps that we need to be honest about what's happened with what happened to us and what, how, what our response is. <clears throat> we need to look at the big perspective. Am I fair? Am I understanding this fairly? Was it really an offense? And we need to consider our debt of sin forgiven compare, compared to what small thing was done against us. And remember the sovereignty of God. We may need to confess wrong thoughts and attitudes of our own and ask God's forgiveness in the process of thinking through this thing, what's happened. And then we need to forgive, to lay aside our rights to justice.